welcome to part one of a two-part special of the Mr. Opinionated Podcast, where we talk all things Star Wars on this, made for Star Wars. My guest Matthew Brown joins me to talk about Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Mr. Opinionated Podcast, coming to you on a very special day, Star Wars Day, May the 4th, as you're listening to this, it's not May the 4th at the moment, it's a very dreary late April day, but I am joined by my guest, self-professed Star Wars nerd, and pretty much professor of everything Star Wars, Mr. Matthew Brown. Hello now. General Kenobi. <laughs> so, getting started as we mean to go on with Star Wars memes. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Matty? Um, I like Star Wars. <laughs> is, is that everything you're willing to yes, give? If, just in case you're wondering why Matty's been so shady, he is indeed a Russian spy who um, who can't really give too much details about his identity away because... It, many boffins died many boffins, to bring you this information. <laughs> many boffins died to bring this podcast to your ear holes. <laughs> so, we shall get on with our regular starting point, and we shall start with our guest. So, new movie, old movie, let's break the ice. What old movie have you brought for us first? Old movie is a very old movie from 2014. That's really old, is it? Is, it's very old, yeah. Which is... Interstellar. Interstellar, Christopher um, Nolan. Because I just wanted to clarify that that is indeed the greatest movie that's ever been made. Well, I think greatest movie that's ever been made is a very lofty claim. Um, it's a very good movie. I'd, the there, best movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are movies I prefer. The Godfather being one, one of them. I mean, you'd you'd be incorrect, but we do live in a democracy. <laughs> we, so, we do, uh, and, uh, and you are very so entitled you're to your to be wrong, wrong opinion. No, no. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say it was Christopher Nolan's best work. I, I prefer really? Dunk. I prefer Dunkirk myself. That's that's my it's my favorite Nolan film. Dunkirk is a very good film, but it's not a sci-fi film. <laughs> <laughs> course of it, it doesn't have for flying cars so why would we bother with it no, no i'm not <laughs> saying that but you know it's not it doesn't have flying cars so it can't be as would good it, as would uh, it be better if it did have flying cars obviously yeah and, and does does a spitfire count as a for flying car because if because if it does then it does have a flying car no 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 isn't an airplane strictly speaking a flying car i mean a flying car is it's a silly idea anyway, isn't it? It's, it's yes. a ridiculous but, idea, but, but, I mean, it's not... Because it would completely eradicate the need for a car. It, yeah, you're not going to drive it on no. the road if it can fly, so... Plus, how, how much speed would you need to build up before you could start flying, and could you do it in a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit? More speed than you would be able... I mean... Would the other cars? Would all cars fly? Would the other ones move out of the way? Would they, <laughs> is it just? No, is it going to be like a DeLorean from Back Back to the Future, where you have to build up to eighty-eight miles an hour before you can fly? Or? Well, you see, that would be reasonable, but <laughs> I, I don't think I don't, I'm not sure you could get airborne from eighty-eight miles an hour. No, I mean it's usually around three hundred miles an hour, isn't it? If not yeah, more, it's closer, closer to the back. 
So Interstellar then. Um, yes. There's there's, <laughs> there's a lot of heavy influences in that film. I feel it's heavily influenced by 2001, A Space Odyssey. I mean, it's, a lot. it's probably I think A Space Odyssey 2001 influenced a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, it, I think um, pretty much a lot. Any sci-fi release post 1968 can trace its roots back to 2001 in one way or another. Yeah, especially I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, but I mean, Interstellar as well. A lot of uh, the tone of some of the film is in that kind of vein. It's not, you know, a lot of the film is not just big and bombastic. It's quiet and sort of minimal. Also, Matthew McConaughey's in it, which is another good good reason to see it. True, true. Because Matthew McConaughey is great. And, he's uh, all right, yeah. yeah, he's he's um he he had what we called the McConaissance, didn't they? And, and like the the 2010s when he he basically stopped doing romantic comedies and started making good films I've never heard that term, never heard of the <laughs> the reconnaissance wow, no, wow, okay. it's, it's easy for me to say he started with films like Mud and Killer Joe and kind of peaked with Dallas Buyers Club reconnaissance the, <laughs> the, like the renaissance yeah, yeah. yeah okay well, that's <laughs> can't say I've heard that but fine fine. it's a, <laughs> it, it's a, a very funny word for a, it, it's kind of a disappointing description for the word For it's such a good pun the McConaissance it is quite a good pun yeah that is a good pun but he's kind of petered out in the last few years which is a shame but Interstellar was a very strong performance from him I think it he had a lot of competition because Gravity was released not not long before Interstellar it was released close close to Interstellar would you say Gravity is a very good film as well, mm-hmm. but it's not as good as Interstellar. No. <laughs> well, we should agree to disagree that it is the greatest film of all time. But <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose that was uh, quite a quite a statement. It's, it's, a, women, it's, I a, very, it's a sweeping <laughs> statement, but I suppose it does relate to Star Wars in some way in that it is set in space and some of it is on a spaceship. Yeah. Uh, but at, at at no point does anyone get. Does anyone lose a limb? So in that way, it's not very much like Star Wars. No, I suppose nobody does lose a limb. No, or a hand because Star Wars movies like to, like to cut hands off. Hand, yeah. yeah. So, what's your new film that you've got for us? Well, I was li- I wanted to do one that I didn't like, so right, I was okay. a little bit torn between Hellboy, which I saw. <laughs> oh, we could have a few some fun days talking ago. about that. Or <laughs> uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah. Because I hated that as well. You hated that. Yeah. I I didn't have any strong feelings either way towards Crimes of Grindelwald. <sighs> well, it's not. It was all right, but the, I don't know. The problem with the Fantastic Beast films is there are some really good moments, mm-hmm. and a lot of I don't know. Like I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Mainly of the book, like more of the books than the films. Yeah, and there's an awful lot of them deciding to just add something completely. Yeah, I think random that doesn't make it. Like the whole the Dumbledore thing at the end of the Crimes of Grindelwald was. Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It was bollocks. <laughs> it was absolute bollocks. It doesn't make any... Like, they, they were like, oh, this is a big reveal at the end of the film. Obviously expecting people to be, you know, shocked and surprised. 
And I was just sat there like, that doesn't make any sense on any version of any Harry Potter timeline. That's rubbish. The, the thing that I think about the Fantastic Beasts is it's great to be to spend time in that world again of the yeah, Wizarding it is, world. But but, but the kind the it shoots itself in the foot with trying to make up new things to, to know, that, for, for the reasons for this film to exist. Like there's that's Dumbledore what I mean. Thing. They've decided they decided to make five. Is it five? Five. Films yeah. Or whatever they're doing out of this series, like. Why? I, mean, I don't know. The, the, I, I do like that they're going back to the universe. Yeah. I like that you see other places. You know, you see like American wizards and stuff, and that's you know, it's, oh, that's all well and interesting. Expanding the world, the world is a good reason to have them, and it's it's also nice to to see the Grindelwald story that was teased in, especially in Deathly Hallows. I mean, I guess although we didn't, did we really see? We haven't seen it any of it in. We've not seen it yet. But the I, yeah. film that was entitled "The Crimes of Grindelwald," and he didn't really commit any crimes, did he? In that <laughs> film, I don't think. But um, I might, no, did he kill somewhere? I think he killed a few, a few people. Yeah, but it wasn't like, but. You know, we still didn't get to see the epic Dumbledore and Gr- which you know I'm. I'll, I'll, I suppose I'll the building up to, to see. that. Though, yeah, yeah. I mean, I but the, the, that will be something. Again, awesome the thing to is, see it does itself no favors by backtracking on already established. Continuity. I know that's what I mean. Because it's just they it, just randomly decided. Uh, by the way, there's this person's now part of the family, or this happened, and it's like, but that didn't happen or bloody yeah. Professor McGonagall Professor McGonagall being there six years before she was before even born before she was born <laughs> and I'm like I know I mean maybe I don't know maybe casual film goes wouldn't notice such a thing I mean, the, 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 the thing about this this is you could say that this isn't something we're supposed to think about but given that J.K. Rowling is renowned for giving out extra details on the yeah. franchise uh, yeah. you would think that someone like that who has such an established timeline in mind would get her own timeline in the right order well yeah and I mean and you say you know maybe it's not something you're supposed to think about I mean the the Harry Potter universe has been expanded upon and detailed and everything for years and years by J.K. Rowling yeah. herself so she's, she's no stranger at throwing out trivia is she yeah so it's not like it's just, I don't know. It's very problematic. I was annoyed by that film. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to see where it goes, but I definitely did prefer. I did prefer the first one in some ways, but again, like the whole, it just, I thought it was more than it needed to be. I like the character of Newt Scamander. I yeah, think I enjoy, what... I enjoy Eddie Redmayne playing Newt. But I'm, I'm not sure but why the wasn't... new films are called Fantastic Beasts I know, as well. He's... Because I mean, then, the then it's just like I love I love him playing that character, but mm-hmm. now it's just they've called it Fantastic Beast, so it's just like oh yeah, and obviously Dumbledore had to get Newt Scamander to go and do missions. Like why? Why would he have done? What? <laughs> and also, I I, I kind of took issue with some of the casting as well. Like after the film came out, I was quite impressed by Jude Law's performance, but. And he, he, yeah. he doesn't really look like a Dumbledore. He doesn't. I, he, I don't know. We didn't see much of him in the film, no. so it's difficult to. It's difficult judge to build entirely, a full opinion. But I think he, the one I was most hung up on was Johnny Depp. If I'm honest, I like Johnny Depp in the film. I think I, he was one. He his character was one of the parts of the film that I actually did like. He's starting to grow on me, but the issue that I had from the start. Was that the Grindelwald we'd seen in the Harry Potter films looks nothing like Johnny Depp? 
True. He was very old though by that point. We saw him as a young as a young man too. In the you see oh, of uh, you see a, yeah. a, a flashback of him stealing the elder one. Yeah. And, and and it's Anthony from from the, the Sweeney Todd film. So he mm. he looks nothing like he's established to be. That that was my main but problem. They could Yeah. But I mean Maybe I don't know. It depends. Yeah, or maybe I'm just suppose... maybe I'm just overthinking it, and 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 it's a silly magic franchise for kids. True, true. Uh, as is Star Wars. As is Star Wars. <laughs> as we're about to overthink it. Yeah, entirely. but, but um, <clears throat> the majority of the internet has spent forty years overthinking Star Wars. True. true. This is something uh, that's n- probably something we will touch on later because what because like, the plan is I'm, we're going to go through every movie and our opinions and thoughts on each one. And we're going to argue about the prequels. We, we are definitely going to argue yeah. about the prequels. Um, in, in such a way that this might end up being a two-part special, because we may go on for some time. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a drink and some food, yeah. some substance. substance. Go, go get some nibbles, because this might just go on for about the length of okay, The Last yeah. Jedi. Um, so I've brought my new film, old film. Um, the new film that I'm going to discuss is since you didn't discuss it I'm going to discuss Hellboy which um, I thought was one of the worst pieces of cinema I've seen in quite a long time it was absolutely dreadful on every conceivable level and I I urge you to seek out my review on my website because it's not so much a review as a crucifixion of everything the movie is and everything it represents it represents stagnation from, from, from the hot Hollywood machine it re- represents milking a franchise that you didn't have to be revisited it, it wasn't even that long ago was it, it the previous it I represents mean, terrible screenwriting because the script could be put put to better use as inexpensive ballast on hot air balloons <laughs> it, it represents terrible acting specifically from the the villain Milo Djokovic who was so hammy you could put her between two two slices of bread and call her a sandwich yeah, she yeah. wasn't great, was she? Yeah. Do you know it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going it to be? It was worse than I thought it was going okay, to be. Well, I I didn't, you know, I had fairly low expectations. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it was not a good film. From from the very first frame we saw, I realised that this was going to be a film I hated. I really didn't like that intro bit. <laughs> when it came on, I thought it might be it could have been a really cool like introducing the story of King Arthur and Hellboy and stuff, yeah. and then the narration is just silly. Which you know, I don't what it mind bas- normally, but I, what's the turn of the film supposed to be? What it, it basically was... is is um, oh boy, R-rated comic book films are sh- sure are d- doing well. Let's yeah, copy that and see how tried, we do. It just tried to be sort of funny and sweary, and it just didn't. And the. And, uh, and it was, it was violent just for the sake of being violent. I, I can yeah, I can I can end. stomach I can stomach violence in a film, but this was just it was ridiculous. Well, it's not even it's not even that. We we were laughing at the end scene, you know, when all like the, all the monsters come out from yeah. hell or whatever's supposed to happen, and we were just sort of amused at how there had been you know some level of violence in the film, mm. and then it just. Goes escalated. from naught to a hundred. Like <laughs> yeah. these things just come up and literally just rip people in half in front of them. And we're just like rip people's skin off. And, 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 then, like and then it just 
goes back to oh, make a joke at the end of the film. I was like, what? What was that? Oh, no, like, that's, that, that, that's another thing. The CGI in this film would embarrass a PS1 game. Some of it, it, it was is, not great. It the is giant, atrocious. The scene with the giants. The, it, some, it wasn't so much the giants for well, me. No, it, was the, it was the demons, the, the monsters at the yeah. end. Because they looked like like um, Ray Harryhausen claymation puppets in some ways. Because the movement was really jerky as if they were on puppet strings. Yeah, I mean, the giants, there was a certain bit in the giants, I I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but there was a certain bit that I just thought, that looks really crap. Like, he gets thrown across the thing or something, and it's literally like a sort of picture of a background and yeah, someone just dragged him it. on a green screen yeah. and it just and that, it looked I'm, awful but. I'm glad you brought that up because this film has one of the laziest approaches to portraying action scenes and that is to just put on the loudest rock track they can have in for an excuse of just sounding cool the songs are weirdly and, cut and, as well and, they have some really weird cuts and, and then songs. on top of that just, just have the, the blandest most actionless fight scenes Ever seen in an R-rated action film? The the music was quite odd, to be honest. Because there were some really nice actual like scored bits. Um, Benjamin, I can never pronounce his last name, Wolfish or whoever he's called, did the music for this, and he did uh, it. Right. And he he's worked with Hans Zimmer on some of his films. How did someone with How did someone with actual skill get attached to this film? Well, that's what I want to know. (laughs) But that's a good question. Well. there's thing Hellboy's dad was in it as well, wasn't he? I like him. Ian uh, McShane's Ian good. McShane, yeah. It's embarrassing to see Ian McShane in that film. It, it wasn't quite at his acting it, level. It's was not it, at his really? level. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I, I watched um, I watched John Wick again the other night, and uh, just to see him in that not long after seeing Hellboy is just to cleanse is, your eyeballs. Of, it, um... It's basically like drinking mouthwash after a good glass of scotch. Wow. Oh no! But no, it's like drinking a glass of scotch after a, gl- a glass of mouthwash because it's the other way around, isn't it? Never mind. Know. <laughs> yeah. But but no, the original point though, the music was really weird because there were some really nice bits of like score, like some actual you know decent like orchestrated action music, and then a bloody Mexican version of Rocky like a hurricane <laughs> in the was- beginning bit, which just. It cuts was like it just cuts in like the middle of the verses and stuff. It was just it, it was, was really exactly... weirdly edited. It was though they'd got all the footage and just sort of gone. Oh, I want this song because it's like a nice loud rock song, but yeah. it doesn't really fit. I'll just cut it here <laughs> and then just add a chorus at the end. And I know I don't know maybe most people wouldn't notice, but being a musician, I'm just yeah. like that's really annoying. Like being Sam was sat there like that was a strange. It's it's, it's exactly like in Deadpool, just for an action scene, he goes, hit my music, except without the justification of spoof. Well, except it's, that it works in Deadpool. It, it works also... because it's a parody, and Deadpool is trying to... Um, De- Hellboy, rather, is trying to play it straight. Oh, there was a brilliant bit of music in Deadpool 2, where it's like this big like orchestra and like, choir yeah. thing. Holy like, shit, boss. Yeah, when you actually listen to the lyrics, we were just like... Hang on a second, they're singing. Yeah. <laughs> they're just singing holy shit balls. It was, that was great. Yeah. So um, the <laughs> the the tagline of my review that I put was um, this film should have stayed in hell, which, yeah. I, which I, I I stand by. My old films are kind of 
cleanse the palate, I'm going to uh, talk about another film that I hate, and this is actually, oh, okay. this is actually um, my least favorite film of all time. And should be good. <laughs> yeah, and it's not one you'd expect. My least favorite film of all time, I hate with a passion, is Titanic. I absolutely hate Titanic, and I, it, I, I can never come up with a a good justification of why I hate it, except I hate everything about it, and I hate, I hate the way it's promoted as a kind of visual masterpiece, and the st- the story is a, a dime store romance that that could have been scraped off the back of any bookshelf in in, in the world that didn't even happen right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. If the the actual yeah, story of Titanic yeah. is interesting enough in itself we didn't need the subpar romance plot the the, the music in it is so over dramatic in the wrong places well, the see, characters are unlikable I the, have I have a different issue with the music in Titanic um, is it that Celine Dion is in it no, I don't mind Celine Dion. Weirdly enough, I've, she's got some good songs. It's not, you know, it's not my. It's, anyway, no, um, no. My issue with the music in Titanic is that they've got like there. Are, for me, there are some really good bits of score in the film. With, but they've basically given him no budget for instruments and stuff mm-hmm. like actual musicians and choirs and stuff so all the choir bits that you hear in the film they were just like oh no you can't record actual people and there's a really awful like midi choir like it's 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 crap <laughs> like like I know I mean I, it was a few years ago I mean, but I mean literally I could do I could find a better choir sound for free to say that, <laughs> like to say the that they didn't and stuff like that just really ruins the feel of it. To say that it didn't have budget for music, knowing how much of a budget that film had, well, it just exactly. shows. I mean, I don't where... know if they didn't have budget for music, but that's the only reason I can assume. I, I think the... why they would have not done it properly because he's written all this music. He's got loads of musical parts and choir parts and everything, and they just it ended up being recorded as like really awful sort of. Computer sounds. The, the, I think the reason I hate it most, the one I can most put my finger on, is its self-indulgence. It's, it's very self-indulgent. It's, it's it's a three-hour film that could have easily been a ninety-minute film. It's every, everything that is in it, apart from the sinking bit, could have quite easily been cut. Apart from the sinking, <laughs> the, the main point of the that, film. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. No. That is the only thing anyone went to go see. They they wanted to see. The Titanic yeah, that, sinking. Spoil it. I don't know what happens at the end. <laughs> no. uh, I think. Um, I think if you don't know what happens 110 years on, then you're not going bit, to know. Bit behind. Yeah. You can't really claim spoilers, can you? Yeah. There's no. a there's a certain point where claiming spoilers is just a bit like um, it's maybe you know, a week, two weeks yeah, yeah. later or something. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, my usual rule is two weeks. Just speaking of, but I, I but I do ask the person I'm talking to if they've actually seen it before I. True. It kind of depends what it is as well, because yeah. like nobody cares about spoilers for Hellboy. No, nobody yeah. wants to know spoilers for Star Wars. It's kind of like after or before you've seen it. It's kind of like getting pissed off because someone spoiled the room for you. Yeah, you see, I've never seen that, but <laughs> the room apparently that's very funny. I've been told very funny and very bad. I've, I've seen a lot of scenes from it. And yeah, I've been told so they're funny. There's so some yeah. scenes that are just in completely the wrong order, and it's hilarious. In fact, I was talking about that on the last podcast I did with my last guest, Mike. 
But yeah, Titanic. Um, I, I have an issue with James Cameron as, as a larger entity within film, as I've expressed on on my blog before. Yes, I know you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's there's a certain point where I, I can tolerate him, but I've never thought he's been the visionary director that everyone makes him out to be. Okay. Well, Again, I've. But you don't I, like Avatar, do you? No, I don't like no. Avatar. Whereas I do like Avatar. I so. I don't go to the cinemas to watch visual effects. I go to watch the story. It didn't have a bad story. It was. It didn't it have was a an good interesting. Story. It was an interesting sort of, you know, the mining and planet and. I find life fights back against them. I find it very difficult to sympathise with a character that, that is very obviously not actually there. As this is this what, is part of the problem I have with the prequels as well. Is you can tell. That most of it is not actually there, and it takes you out of the, the film. Interesting. We'll, yeah. we'll but we we'll should revisit that, this. Yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, that's probably a good time to move on to our, to our main topic of discussion: Star Wars. Being that, as you're listening to this, it's Star Wars Day, or just gone Star Wars Day. It may be May the Fourth. It may be Revenge of the Fifth. We don't know. That's 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 like the second Star Wars down. Trying yeah. to get going. Just, may the Fourth and Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah. Just to carry it on for yeah. any reason. They, really, yeah. Don't. I'm just a bit disappointed that sixth. There's only Revenge of the Sixth, but we've already had Revenge of the Fifth. But yeah, that's well, just, Revenge of the Sixth probably worked better. But then, what yeah. would you do on the fifth? Yeah. Is it? it is, mm. Star Wars there? Not Star Wars there. Star Wars there. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to start a new campaign to make every day Star Wars there. Well, that's true. I mean. It's, <laughs> You can make any day Star Wars day. I just, I think it just so happens that May the Fourth has, you know, it, obviously it rhymes with May, May the Fourth be with but, you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we're going to start and we're going to go. Um, I think we'll go chronological, so episode one to episode eight, with everything in between. So Phantom Menace. At which point you should cut in ten seconds of the Jewel of the Fates. Yeah. Yes, the only good thing about that film. Well, actually, no. Okay. The the one of three good films about one of three thing good things about that film. Okay, what are your other two? My other two is uh, the duel with Darth Maul and pod mm-hmm. racing, and they're the only th- three things that are good about that film. Pod racing is good. Pod racing is good. I'd love to. I'd love a. We need like a current generation pod racing game, like VR enabled. Not yeah. VR because that's basically just an excuse to be sick. Yeah, it might make it might make you a little bit sick, I suppose. But I think that would be so cool. Uh, anyway, no. Um, so the only things you like about the Phantom Menace are the music, or just specifically that piece of music. Or... The the music in all the Star Wars films is generally pretty great. Music's usually yeah. So, but the only two actual good scenes is the fight with Darth Maul and the pod racing bit. The the rest of it is uh, dumpster fire. <laughs> I disagree. He spent I, uh... he spent twenty years building this magnificent statue for us all to come and look at, and it turns out it's made of cow turds. It wasn't that bad. I mean, uh, Natalie Portman was not good in that film. No, and neither was Jake Lloyd. <laughs> but but he Jake was a Lloyd, child. No, Jake Lloyd so... was Jake Lloyd was so was Natalie right, Portman. He was nine, and Natalie Portman's only twelve. Well. Okay then, so if we excuse bad acting in the first one mm. from some people, because I mean they were the only people 
as Natalie Portman especially for me in all the stuff. I mean, well, mm. in episode one and two, I thought she was the worst character. Dot Hit and Christiansen in episode two. She was alright in episode three, but she's if we excuse poor acting from children then in the first one. Is there anything specific you don't like about it? I mean, oh God, yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> let's see. Story was boring. Um, it's just that's the worst cardinal sin a film can can commit is being boring, and especially a Star Wars film. We'd, it wasn't it, boring. It, it, it was it just was. setting up the scene, wasn't it? It was, it was a, a film about trade disputes. Who wants to? Who who goes to a Star Wars film and thinks, Do you know, what I want to see. I want to see two hours of obviously green screen characters talking about trade law. That's exactly but, but what I want to say. That's not all the film was. I mean, it basically, it wasn't. There's lots of there's lots of mirroring scenes from Episode Four, and there's all sorts of really nice stuff in there. I mean, maybe it wasn't the most interesting storyline, but it's setting up the scene of the Republic and the state of the galaxy. I A mean, New Hope set up the scene, but it was well, interesting. Yeah, but it's obviously it's different from how it was. Previous and pl- I mean, plus another thing I didn't like was they they made one of the most interesting characters of the prequels and then killed him off in the first film. Yeah, that's true. That is quite an annoyance, but obviously is carried on being interesting through Clone Wars yeah, and Rebels. But and but if you other films, but if but, you're a casual Star Wars fan and you didn't know that he was in the Clone Wars and Rebels and you've only ever seen the films his reappearance in Solo would have completely baffled you because you just remember him being killed in The Phantom Menace and how big a disappointment it was well I think lots of people knew that he was still alive by now I mean it was a long time ago I mean not not if you didn't know I, I know quite a lot of Star Wars or people who watched Star Wars who didn't know about the existence of the Clone Wars and Rebels they just know about really? the films, but yeah. They're missing out. Clone Wars and Rebels are the best Star Wars things. <laughs> not the best, but... Not the best Star Wars things. <laughs> Almost. Um, yeah, okay, no, that that was an annoyance, that Darth Maul, because he, he was a very good Star Wars villain. He was very... Uh, he was, like, creepy. He was sort of evil. Yeah. Mysterious. He was the, he the most interesting... The skills. most in- interesting character in the entire prequel trilogy. I mean... Darth Maul fighting with Qui-Gon and everyone which is like brilliant the yeah. greatest thing it was fantastic it's, it's so it was it was an annoyance certainly that um, that he died so, so why, I'll give you that one why was such a limited amount of time given to the badass lightsaber skills and such a massive amount of time given to trade law when we we weren't interested in any of that we didn't go to see a Star Wars film for that we, it, it wasn't that it wasn't that. Was the, the the basic spine of the film was about an invasion of Naboo that was to do with trade laws, none of which was of in, in interest to anyone who went to see it. But it's not just about trade laws, is it? It's, it's Palpatine or Darth Sidious setting up the war that will eventually lead to him. It could know, have set taking the, over. Could I have mean, set the war up in a more interesting way, though, rather than. Than make it about a trade dispute. <laughs> it was just, it's just a a way to set it up. I mean, I know, I guess you know, I'm I'm not going to convince you that it was interesting because <laughs> no. obviously you don't think it was interesting. Um, and then, that, that, that's just the start, really. I mean, then there's the the script, which um, George Lucas has never been a good writer. 
even okay. even even a New Hope's dialogue is is the pretty problem, rough. The problem with episode one and episode two, especially in terms of script, is back when he did the originals, mm. George Lucas had all of his ideas, and he had other people around him. Yeah. To. Uh, this is work on those ideas. This Whereas is a when he came back with films. he came back with the Phantom Menace, and he didn't have Anyone Lawrence Kasdan. He didn't have yeah. sort of any anybody else. This so is it was a... just him writing the script. And it is true that as much as I love George Lucas, he's not a good scriptwriter. And all of, actors, all of the <laughs> actors will tell you as well. Like back when they were doing the originals and. Uh, Carrie Fisher used to say like she'd read the script and she'd be like how is anybody, nobody speaks like this, how is anybody supposed to how can I read this <laughs> so it's always been a problem so I, mean, I will give you, the, I mean, there are some poor if you take the, the infamous power converters line from an, a yeah, I know, hope, like, yeah nobody uh, nobody says that in a sentence do they, I don't even but that, no, that is well, a, even Luke can say it, it even Mark it, can say it it's a recurring issue that once a director has achieved a certain level of acclaim, when they're given complete freedom, is when they go off the rails. Even the even the most refined cinematic mind needs an, needs another pair of hands on the rein to hold them back when they're going too far. It's not Look, it's not even to hold him back. It's just that when they did like episode five and episode six, especially, he had other people around him. So he wasn't the only person just sitting there on his own in a room writing this entire script and all the dialogue, and then they go and film it. He had other people around him who'd give him ideas and uh-huh. edit his scripts and all all the best Star Wars films. All the best Star Wars films are the ones where George Lucas has had as little input as possible. No, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> like. For me, Empire Strikes Back is the pinnacle of Star Wars films. You see, that's not top of my list of Star and Wars films. We'll get to, to that. But and yeah, and George great, Lucas yeah. didn't write or direct that. I think he might have had a story credit, which he would have done because it'd have been he, he'd have laid the best he was story. Like co- but that was Lawrence Kasdan. That was Lawrence screen, Kasdan and, for uh, another guy. Yeah, I can't remember. His and name. The director of the sixth was one was else, his yeah. film lecturer from college whose name I can't remember. Oh was it? Yeah. I remember I remember <laughs> right, watching, yeah. watching that end of the documentary that um the guy who directed Empire didn't want to retain for Jedi and George Lucas really didn't want to direct it himself so he mm. really had nowhere to turn to because this is also a thing that comes into play is um he was dropped by the director's Guild of America after the first Star Wars film. So anyone he hired couldn't be in the the actors' guild or the directors' guild because he was effectively blacklisted. Awkward. Yeah, because basically the the whole argument comes around at that time. It was directors' guild rules that the film had to start with the credits, and Star Wars didn't have that, and George Lucas refused to change it. Yeah. So he so he was effectively blacklisted by the directors' guild, and if you're blacklisted by the directors' guild. And you can't use anyone from the Actors Guild because they work together. So That's terrible. So the, basically, the only person he had to turn to for Jedi was who taught him how to direct it. So if this is the guy that taught Fair George enough, how to direct, yeah. he could have taught him better. But you know, <laughs> rude. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so back to back to Phantom <clears throat> Menace. Menace. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Obviously, there were 
some script points that were... here's, here's one big issue in three simple words Jar Jar Binks you see uh, lots of people hate Jar Jar Binks I don't hate Jar Jar Binks I can see why he would annoy some people Mm-hmm. I can see, me. I can see, and you did have the Royal certainly lots of annoying things. I mean, he just sort of he had a he had a habit of accidentally serving the dinner, yeah, which was quite, you know, I don't mind Jar Jar, but stuff like that, like oh, he just happens to do something and just killed the droids, and he, but it's like accidentally serving the dinner more than once is quite annoying. But Judge, the actual character of Judge, I mean, is based on Goofy from Disney, and is literally just there because George Lucas wanted a character that kids might find funny. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I I didn't I thought Judge was quite funny. I didn't mind Judge. The I think it's, Jar- it's a kid's character. Jar Jar was what they were trying to achieve with the Ewoks, but taken to its maximum possible expansion because because <laughs> well, right, the yeah. the Ewoks. It's just oh, a cuddly uh, toy, isn't it? They were so. annoying to a certain percentage of Star Wars fans, but within but the w- within the story of Jedi, they had a reason, and exactly for for kids, they were they were drawn. Star Wars is a kids was a kids franchise. Well, uh, it's not so much now because I think in a in a way it's not so much now. No, because but... I, I think the the prequel trilogy, by the time the prequels came out, the ones who or remembered the original trilogy were now adults. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the prequel trilogy was trying to aim itself at a new generation. Like, yeah, and fans. like kids would grow up with the prequel trilogy yeah. and then get older as it goes along. But yeah, I mean, Jar Jar was a kids' character. Yeah, it was goofy for kids in Star Wars. I mean, uh, you know, in that sense, I don't think I don't, I don't mind him at all. I mean, as well, people hate the actor. Which is wrong, I think. Oh, yeah. I, and he's had I all have no, sorts of... No, you know, no reason to blame the actor. It's all no. on George Lucas for, for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't mind Jar Jar. I can see I, I, he is annoying. I wouldn't have minded him... Some, I wouldn't have minded him so much if he had any reason, reason to exist. More to be there than yeah. just accidentally saving the day. He, yeah. he could have quite easily been cut out of her for Phantom Menace and there would be no negative effect. Well, no, I mean... They go to the Guggens for help, don't they? With, yeah, but uh, they go, even, they go even to get Brian Blessed to if, if not for Brian Blessed, spit at them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> even that could have been cut out. Well, you wouldn't have lost much. Well, no, but then you wouldn't get the cool battle of the Guggens versus the Droids, which is a good battle. It's a good battle, and but it's it also would have been better for Black Panther. It was, you know, would have been better if you'd have made a more interesting and less annoying space species. In, in the battles because I mean, the, the Gungans are, yeah. are annoying in general but it's just but it's just they're just another species in Star Wars aren't they I mean there's lots of annoying species in Star Wars there's lots of annoying humans in Star Wars <laughs> so, so you know it's, I don't have as much of a problem with Jar Jar but I do understand why some people do but mm-hmm. again it, it's a kid's character isn't he so obviously it's not I mean I, I I'm saying that you know Jar Jar really annoys me. Yeah, yeah but yeah. in the same kind of thinking, like I don't really understand why people find Rose Tico really annoying. Exactly. In the same exactly. way that I find I Jar Jar. Annoying. Yeah, I don't find Rose annoying at all. But some people hate her. I mean, hate her. Yeah. I, 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 but 
in some ways I can see why because her, her, her dialogue's not particularly well written and her a character a character isn't particularly as well rounded as everyone else I mean but... maybe not that's episode 8 yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's, yeah. That's, that's but no yeah you're right I mean you find Jar Jar annoying lots of people don't find Jar Jar annoying I mean it's just the sort of it's, it's not aimed at you necessarily is it especially it would, would have been at the time at the time I mean, did you find him annoying at the time I can't really remember because I The Phantom Menace was like the first Star Wars film that I saw and I watched it on repeat for like five years of my life when I was like I born, see. so I mean, so I didn't, I, I didn't find Jar Jar annoying. I, I seem to remember the first Star Wars film I ever watched was Revenge of the Sith, which is a really strange place to start watching. That would Star be Wars. an odd place to start watching Star Wars. But, um, yeah, but as a result, it is my favorite the prequel trilogy. But it is probably the best of the prequel trilogy. It's the best as well. film of the prequel trilogy. Yes. But again, that's in a few films' time. We're going to move on to Attack of the Clones now. Which to mm. me is the worst of all the, of all the main saga Star Wars films. It's even worse than Far Phantom Menace for me. It's on the bottom of my list, but I don't hate any Star Wars films. So mm. it's not like I love all the Star Wars films and then I can't stand Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. I do like Attack of the Clones. It's just sort of has a clear spot on the bottom of the list. Yeah. I mean, there were some really good things in Attack of the Clones. I love. Like, I love the whole. I love a lot of the clone stuff. Like, Bounty Hunter and setting up of like, Jango would have, Fett. I, I would love... have preferred the clone stuff had there actually been actors playing the clones and not just. No, well, that, copy that's, paste a, of well that's another thing. But but I, I but I love the the idea of the clones, like the story of the clones and being created on Kamina, and it's all a bit mysterious. And I like Jango Fett because mm. you know he's a cool, he's a bounty hunter, he's cool. I love Coruscant and the whole, you know, the Jedi Temple and all the flying cars, ironically enough, so, and everything on Coruscant. I love some of the battle scenes; are really cool. But some issues for me are. I don't know. Mainly, mainly for me, it's visual thing because there's some not necessarily bad, but there's some really weird like visual things. Like they didn't have a lot of sets. Mm. It was all. It was basically all on the green screen, wasn't it? They only had like ten or fifteen clones. Mm. So there's so many characters being sort of copy and pasted onto a non-existent background it just makes some really odd visual things which is uh... it's the it's the uncanny valley effect isn't it yeah kind of it's but you you brought up Django Fett and that is I think indicative of a problem of a, something I found a problem in the prequels is the there's kind of thinking that everything has to have an explanation so Django Fett for me was just George Lucas looking for a reason to tell us why Boba Fett exists. Whereas we don't need to know no, the no, origin everybody, of everything. Everybody loves Boba Fett. Everybody Which loves is a bit Boba weird because he's hardly, hardly in the But did we need to know where he came from? I don't think it took anything away that we did because you don't know anything about Boba Fett anyway. I know, but it's the, not like it's not like but that was, was the good thing of, about his character. No, that but he's mysterious, and some of that mystery is lost when you know that he was a clone of his dad. But that just adds to that. That just makes it more interesting for me. I mean, it's not like it's not like Boba Fett was a mysterious. It's not like Boba Fett was Snoke. 
like some mysterious being that we don't know where he's come from is just a bounty hunter. I know, but some. And well, I'm trying to say some things are better left unexplained. I'm, yeah, no, I agree. But in the case of Django Fett, I don't. I'd, I'd, uh, Django Fett was quite interesting for me. I, I didn't mind Django Fett. I didn't take anything away yeah. from the story. For me. Some sometimes I like him, but sometimes he just seems like a palette swap of Boba Fett. Because he's basically he's just Boba Fett, but in a blue outfit instead of a green. Yeah, one. but he's a clone, isn't he? So yeah, it's just sort of showing you the origins. There are things. there are good things in Attack of the Clones and I'm sure I could even think of a couple if you gave me some time (laughs) (laughs) alright then (laughs) off the top of my head I think the best thing I can remember is the big Jedi battle on I always enjoyed that also that was a brilliant mission for getting studs on Lego Lego Star Star Wars Wars. yeah I agree I love doing that because you could make your own I'd make my own Jedi and then just do the battle and get loads of money out of it but yeah <laughs> although speaking of Lego Star Wars the stage after that used to really annoy me it was the what it was, was the, the, the constantly that? scrolling vehicle level so you couldn't go uh, back because the yeah, and then perspective was always miss shifting mini kits yeah. and stuff yeah and so, so that used to really annoy me as a kid they were a little bit frustrating yeah and um, I, I really like Count Dooku as well Count Dooku is brilliant I, I think he's even though he doesn't he has much screen time in episode three, I think he's better in episode three than he was in episode two. But I'm, yeah, but I think it's because his character's sort of more. You know, he is in episode three. Any opportunity's got like a purpose. Whereas in episode two, you're like, ah, a new sort of Sith Lord. Who's this guy? And then you realise that it's Qui Gon's old master. And basically, any excuse to see Christopher Lee do his thing. True, is, true. Is more than well welcome. Yeah, good um, point. Good point. The, so that again. As, as I say, Attack of the Clones is my least favourite. It's on the bottom of, of your list. I think that's kind of the general consensus is that Attack of the Clones, not much happened in the larger story, I dare say. And yeah, I mean, I suppose, see, the issue with that is partly I do agree it's that it didn't advance the story very much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was the middle film of the trilogy and it was just fleshing out. Empire the clones, was the middle film, the and big that, battle. And yeah, that advanced the story. But it's but it's a different trilogy, isn't it? I mean, the Attack of the Clones was just fleshing out. It was the big clone battle film, which kind of worked, except for weird CGI. And <laughs> also for me, this this film is where Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are at their worst. This is the absolute nadir that is of dialogue true. in the that Star Wars. Is, that is true. Shall um, we shall we talk about sand? <laughs> sure. No, it's Dare coarse we? and rough, and it hits everyone. No, yeah, I will agree that, that this is the worst film. But I actually don't find Hayden Christensen to be a bad actor. I think he was acting the character of Anakin as the character of Anakin was supposed to be. He he's, was he's growing a good up actor confused. With, with bad he was a, in a way, yeah. In episode two, yes. But I'll also say Natalie Portman. I just, I didn't really like her in any of the films, in any of the Star Wars films. Um, I thought she, for me she was much worse actor than Hayden Christensen was. It was a completely unbelievable romance as well, wasn't it? It was a bit. It was a bit. I don't know. It. I don't know whether there should have been less of a time jump between one and two or there should have been something in between because it was it's kind of it's kind of pedo I think like, main... like she sort of watched him grow up and then she there like, is the issue of the age gap and there's also the issue that Christensen and Portman 
visually they don't they no didn't have chemistry. any chemistry no like as acting together in attack of the clones they didn't have any chemistry which made the weird relationship even weirder weirder because it was like it just was unrealistic like in the story it was a little bit unrealistic he was obviously fancied her and she thought it was creepy but then yeah. she fancied him anyway but I, but it was a um, bit. It was a bit creepy. There's a there's a, a quote I remember from a internet personality that I like, which which goes that uh, to say that Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman have chemistry is to say that a chair stacked on top of another chair is a, sit- a sizzlingly erotic romance. Hey, which which is some people are into people are into what they're into. Some people might find that erotic. <laughs> there is no kink shaming on this podcast. So, well, so yeah, if exactly. You're into chairs, so, uh, that's your own deal. But uh, but if if you're into Attack of the Clones, then I'm afraid we can't be friends. In in episode <laughs> in episode two, that is true. In episode three, it was much better. Yeah, so which is a good, um, as good a chance as any to move on to episode three. So episode three is a brilliant film. I wouldn't say it was brilliant. I it's, would say it's approaching approaching good at this point. Episode three is high up on my list. It's, I think when I when I when I did the ranking Star Wars list on my blog just after Solo was released last year, I might have ranked Attack of Revenge of the Sith rather above Return of the Jedi. I think. I think I did. Oh, that might have been In yours. Fact, I can, I can bring up my list. Um, but I will find it my is list on my phone. Def- had more of the pre after the prequel trilogy been more like Revenge of the Sith as opposed to Phantom Menace, then we wouldn't think of the prequel series as such of an inherent failure. because Revenge of the Sith brought us brought us kind of the story we wanted to see from the start. Revenge of the Sith, I think, was a really good film. Um, I have my list here. I've got mm-hmm. The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens at the top. Mm-hmm. Which might switch around. I don't know. Revenge of the Sith is third. Right. New Hope is fourth. Then Solo, Empire, Rogue Empire One. Empire in sixth? Yeah. Wow. But there's like ten films. You so, I mean, rank not... Solo above Empire Strikes Back. What is wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. There's I... plenty wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Um, obviously, you can see Attack of the Jun. Well, we can't Jones. see it because this is a pop Attack podcast. So. You can see <laughs> that Attack of the Clones. Is Attack of the Clones is bottom on the bottom, yeah, as it is of my. Uh, actually, Phantom no, the, Menace is just a little. The bit the the bottom of mine was actually the Clone Wars because I counted that in my. my I list. didn't count that, but yeah, because uh, yeah, there's only every reason to not count it because it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Not really, no. Um, as it was basically just want, an overlong pilot for the TV series. If you it? want, just watch the TV series. It's really yeah, fair. but yeah. Um, so we'll we'll leave your list aside because I'm sure we'll revisit it later on. Argue but, about it <laughs> and argue about it because uh, that is your list is inherently wrong and evil and it must be purged. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, w- I will agree that Revenge of the Sith is. I'm not going to say great. I would say it's. Good. It's approaching greatness. It's good. I think it was. It was. You know. It's one of my favorite Star Wars films. I think not only because there are so many memes. And that was. That's one of the Revenge best things the about Sith. the film. You can't watch. I can't watch value. the film now without going. Oh, there's a meme coming up. <laughs> here it comes. Here. Hello, etc. etc. There's some. You know. Do you have here the tragedy of Darth Plagueis of the Wise? Do it. So it. many. It's all of my favorites. 
how how we chin and spinning. How we how we says do it. Do it. Do it. There's so many you can't watch that film without going oh there's meme because meme. It's basically just just one long meme now, isn't it? Yeah, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah. Enjoyable. It's it's still got some of the the problems I think that hangs around the prequels. Um, Visually, it's still very fake looking. I think visually it's much better. It's it's the best one, best visually looking film, but it's still got that issue of it looking like it's on a green screen. I have no issue with films, some films being CG and films being on a green screen. I just want them to look like it's actually there. Some scenes in the uh, Revenge of the Sith do look quite green screeny, but they do in lots of films. The, I think I mean, there are lots most of, films... of the stuff on Coruscant that looks looks the most green. Yeah, screen. But, I mean that's obviously where the most green screen is because there's so much like sort of built up the, in the background. What does look very good is um, and I can't remember the name of the, the lava planet at the Mustafar. end. Mustafar. Yeah. yeah, that's that does look good. That's probably the best looking bit. That's also where we we revisit Mustafar in Rogue One, don't we as well. Which is a nice uh, little Easter egg. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say Solo. It's not Solo. No, it's, it's Rogue, Rogue One. When Darth it's Darth Vader's yeah. little castle. In the, yeah, his, which is... His doom for fortress. No, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Episode, no, never mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt is kind of biting his tongue because he seems to think he has the inside line on, on a lot of Star Wars stuff. I do. <laughs> he says this, I have but, a proven um, track record. He, he he does indeed have a proven track. He, he he's either telling the truth or he's very lucky. That well, those, those are the the two possibilities. I have a proven. I inadvertently told Joe, our friend about, Joe, uh, Han Solo being killed by Kylo Ren. Yeah, specifically in that location in that scene. About a year before the film came out, and I forgot that I told him, and he was really annoyed. I mean, <laughs> that happened in the film. There are oh, the, 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 the certain things like when you say, "Oh, I've got a friend who has an inside source for Star Wars." Like, no, oh, yeah, of course you do, because because a film it, like it's not it's uh, not a friend. It's uh, just I just know people who know people. <laughs> a, a, a film like like Star Wars is so closely guarded nowadays that it's very closely guarded. It was. Very. We've got. I've got more stuff for Episode Nine than I did for The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. That was super tightly. So to be honest, a lot of Last Jedi came out of the left field, didn't it? So yeah, that was super. Like it was really tightly. Mm-hmm. Didn't really actually have much for that. Well, yeah. did, but but that, yeah. that would probably make the film better in it anyway. If you're surprised by it. Yeah. No. I was. I. I did enjoy going into the Last Jedi, not knowing every single scene <laughs> that was about to happen. Could, um, could so, um, I think we're both in the same boat of the Force Awakens being the first Star Wars film we saw in the cinema. Because I don't think I saw Revenge of the Sith in the cinema. I didn't see Revenge of the Sith in the cinema, but I did see the Phantom Menace in three D. In three D. That doesn't point. count. That was a obviously that's not. Yeah, that's not the first time I saw it. Obviously, uh, yeah, the the. Force Awakens is the first one in the cinema. Yeah. Which we, we went to see at midnight. We've been to see the last was it five now at midnight. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Has it, has it been five films since Force Awakens? Uh, For, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last, last Jedi. No, four. It's four. Yeah. Yeah, but would no doubt we'll be seeing episode nine at midnight as well. Obviously, obviously. So, Revenge of the Sith. Can you can you think of anything else that springs to your mind that you really enjoyed about Revenge of the Sith? 
I just think it was a really good film. Uh, there's some brilliant moments, like brilliant scenes set up with like music and stuff. Uh, the Anakin's turn to the dark side, I think, is really well portrayed in that film. It, because it's the film where it comes people, together the best. Yeah, because you know, Attack of the Clones is whiny teenager, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You know, we're talking. He's just a, he's a kind of a whiny teenager. I think it's also the one where. Um, 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 Palpatine is portrayed the best. As yeah, well. because you finally see Palpatine, like you finally see the Darth Sidious side of yeah. Palpatine taking over. You and don't realize his how much he's manipulating things yeah. until and you and you, and you realize and you realize you sort of see built, which I thought was like the really unnecessary. The I don't think it was unnecessary. Yeah. I think it was just a nice little bit of fancy, it was, wasn't it? Because it was. It was the last Star Wars film for another. I like ten the, years, however, wasn't it? I like so. the the earlier allusion to the Death Star. It comes up on like a, in yeah, uh, in, the a, 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 That's an Attack yeah, of the Clones, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Where there's a, a projection of it. Yeah, I, I like that allusion to it. I, no, you I see, mean, I, I like smaller details to allusion to big things rather than like rather than just blatting us in the face with it. I like. Well, no, too. I mean, yeah, in a way, but I think it. I think it was fine with the Death Star because you know it's the it was the final Star Wars film for another ten years or so, wasn't not, it? So not that they knew that at the time. Well, there was always plans for more, but yeah, but it was whether the more would have been made, whether the time, they would actually it? have done it. Yeah, yeah. but because um, if you if you go back and read Star Wars stuff from around the time the first one was out, by first I of course mean fourth. Um, George, 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 George Lucas had 12 films originally planned and then it was 9 yeah, and he had, yeah. there was always like a big plan but even despite that you know it was the last at that time it was the last Star Wars film mm-hmm. so they're just sort of bringing it back together aren't they you know, mm-hmm. this is sort of the beginning of the Empire so I think I know what you mean it didn't necessarily need to be sort of in your face but I didn't mind that it was because it's just like you know you see Darth Vader you see Tarkin mm-hmm. and the Death Star and it's like you know that's sort of classic Star Wars. Isn't the it? So. Um, the I I I also I'm still trying to get my head around this day about Padme's death because it was it really it really seemed quite piss weak to be honest with you the way she died. There are lots of very interesting theories about Padme's death, which would make more sense than the actual story. The she died of a but, broken uh, heart line is just sentimental it, nonsense. It can happen. Like it's not entirely unrealistic, but it's a little bit of an anticlimax because it's like, you know, she's trying to she's arguing with Anakin, she's trying to tell him, you know, you you're going on the wrong path, you are bearing your children, mm. like come back to the light side. And then she just sort of Dies. Yeah. It's like okay. It's, well. it's also like she dies of a broken heart, even though she didn't know what was happening. At well, that she time. didn't necessarily die of a broken heart. Well, that's what they said in the film. So well, that's what I'm going with. No, no, she lost the will to live. Is what they said in the film. Which again is sentimental Which, nonsense. It's you know it's better than dying of a broken heart. But there's a lot of interesting things that could have happened otherwise. Because I mean, there's also. At that time, because one bit I do like about that is the contrast between Padme giving birth to Luke and Leia mm-hmm. on Polis Massa or whatever the asteroid was called, and then at the same time Anakin being like 
stamped and cut up and turned into Darth Vader. Like at the same time, and somewhere else. I love the contrast between that. But don't forget, Palpatine was making Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been and at the time Darth Vader was being assembled, shall we say, because yeah. it was after their duel, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? That she and, there's, and there's a lot of. There's some really good theories which I subscribe to. Huh. Um. Well, you know what? It was weird. This I thought it was already a theory, and then maybe it's not. I don't know whether I actually made it up or not. But we talked about it as though it was a theory anyway, because um, I was sure I'd read it somewhere. That um, basically, as Palpatine was putting together Darth Vader, he was like sapping her life right. to give life to Anakin because through, Anakin through was because Anakin was pretty much dead, and we know that Palpatine can do things like that because Darth Sidious well he could have done and it's also theory but in my view pretty much established fact that Darth Sidious created Anakin I I was always of the mindset that Darth Plagueis created Anakin well well, the Darth, well, Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious inadvertently created Anakin yeah, in, in an experiment a, of he could a, also create life. It was established that Plagueis could yeah. create life. Yeah, so, so. but Darth Sidious, he was try, Darth Sidious was learning this, and yeah. it was like a sort of inadvertent experiment, and then Anakin came into being. But in the same way that sort of he could do that, and he could learn that from Plagueis. I think it's also perfectly possible that as he was trying to keep Anakin alive, he was sort of sapping the life force from the thing that was closest to him, which was Padme. Hmm. In which case, you know, she died and he survived. Because, of, because you know, at the end of it, when he's, and he says, in one of the only really bad moments of the film for me, when he says, uh, when Vader says, her. is Padme alive? And he says, "No, and you seems in your rage that you've killed her." And then he screams, "No!" Uh, which is yeah, that's awful. Not it's unnecessary. Like <laughs> yeah. we can see, he didn't have to make that noise. But the, anyway, although <laughs> I, I, I will say, I didn't like the no. I liked the him like destroying yeah, everything no, in but the room. I mean, he could have done that. Cool. He could have done screamed, that yeah. and not made that noise. It's yeah. just it's, it's such a it's a bit like Tom Cruise making that noise in the bloody mummy film when he's screaming in the aeroplane which just became a joke. It, it is a, um, <laughs> it, it is a, a very good way of kind of planting the seed for Vader turning on the emperor as well. Well true because you see at that point that he's basically a slave to the emperor and he mm. can't do anything about it. I mean he is. I mean it's the, the emperor basically keeps made sure that like the parts in his suit are not New parts that it always needs repair is relying on the emperor to keep him alive. Basically, mm-hmm. you can't do force lightning because it would basically short circuit his suit. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about the emperor. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's the sort of starting point when you kind of see because obviously we've seen throughout the film that the emperor that Palpatine's kind of manipulated Anakin. Yeah. But it's the first time that Anakin or Vader mm-hmm. kind of sees that he's been because he's been lied to. Because mm-hmm. the Emperor said, "Yeah, you'll be able to save her if you do this. You'll be able to save her if you do this." And then mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh well, she died." And yeah. then he goes, "No." Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I think it, the idea that the Emperor sort of deliberately, even 
maybe even deliberately killed her. Yeah. To keep Anakin alive and then say, well, she's dead now, but you've got to do what I say anyway. Yeah. It's much more interesting theory than she died she just, she, she just died <laughs> yeah so um, that's pretty much the prequel films tra- uh, wrapped up there is one more thing that came to my mind that I want to get your opinion on that's uh, midichlorians I don't mind I don't have a problem with midichlorians I know you I know you were kind of saying that everything doesn't need an explanation exactly that was but again I don't think it takes anything away from Star Wars because I, it's not it's not saying it's not saying like oh the force isn't magic or it's not you know it's not making the force any less mysterious it's literally just an explanation that every living thing has these living creatures like attached to them and some of them are you know more sensitive more open to the force like it's just an explanation it's not I think yeah. what what it takes out is the kind of mysticism and magic of the the concept of the force in the first place because the original explanation was the force surrounds us it's in, it's in everything yeah and that's and, all they say in the midichlorians but no but then it's it, saying it, that the it, it insinuates it insinuates that the force can only isn't something that surrounds us and is, is everywhere it's got to be something that you're born with in your blood well no because it's it's not it's, it's the midichlorians are not the force it's what provides the force, though. No, no, no. The midichlorians are like a bridge to the force, but the midichlorians are not the force. The force does. The force is everywhere. The force surrounds everything, but as do midichlorians. Mm-hmm. And it's you. If you have a certain the midichlorians a certain way, it makes you more susceptible mm-hmm. to being open to the force because it's not like only some people have the force and some people don't everybody is open to the force Uh everybody could use the force Uh but some people more easily access the force than other people so I mean I don't think like for example sort of touching on the sequels a little bit Poe Dameron Uh has access to the force Uh because his parents got um his parents fought on the Battle of Endor mm-hmm. and they got a cutting of like a force tree thing from Luke mm-hmm. that Poe Dameron used to like sit with as a child and he'd like play with like so he's still susceptible to the force mm-hmm. even despite midichlorians or mm-hmm. whatever so it's not like uh, it doesn't for me it doesn't take anything it's just a sort of little scientific explanation I mean you know, black holes are very interesting, mm-hmm. and they're all mystical and spacey and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the scientific explanation of a black hole takes anything away from the fact that it's interesting. That is possibly the nerdiest explanation I've ever heard. That was quite nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's what you brought me on. For. I, I, I think to the point where you were comparing the force to black holes. No, just the... just as a thing to compare it to, like because I love space and science and things. Yeah. Have it, I, I, I love space. And I, I love think... space too. But what I love about it is I don't know how it works. I know. And that's but what I love to about me, it most. To me, it, it doesn't. To me, I the explanation of something the scientific explanation of something almost makes it more interesting because it's so 
intricate and like exciting. I don't know. I'm just a nerd. I'm, I, I think the, <laughs> the, the, poss- the possibility of something we can imagine is always going to be more exciting than what is fact. Like, like I, I can imagine that Mars is populated by unicorns that ride around on turtles, but it's probably. Haven't not. you seen Elon Musk's Twitter account? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. But that That's sounds great. like something he'd say. It does. It does sound like something he'd say. It's just, I think that difference is just me being a nerd yeah. and <laughs> you not being as much of a nerd. I, I, I like to think that that was fine. That would have been the same answer that Brian Cox would have given. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Except he'd have probably explained what a black hole was in in more sciencey terms. Yeah, I'm not gonna. No, I'm, I'm not gonna let, try to. Let's, we're talking about science fiction here, not yeah, science no. fact. So, um, so I don't even know what we're on about. We're, we we just finished this the prequels. Three, yeah. yeah. So we're moving on now to the original and the best. Well, what are we? Are we doing chronologically? Yes. Then we'd be moving on to. Oh, then uh, we're Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One. one yeah, so which we'll is just... a very interesting one to talk about. Yeah, um, I really like Rogue, Rogue One. I I like the uniqueness of the fact that nobody survived its ending. Because Star Wars has has kind of always gravitated towards a happy ending, and this felt like it was something mm. more grounded in reality. That they all, I think there was a point where they all knew they were on a suicide mission, and had had they all survived, it would have come across as it would have been in, forced. Yeah, it would have because then where were they later on in there? Yeah, you know? and and uh, everybody, and, everybody who you see survive, or all the the main characters who you see survive in the film are people who you you know survive yeah. like later on, like Admiral Ackbar. Yeah, Admiral Ackbar, Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fish, fish guy, Lando guys mentioned, yeah. uh, not Lando. Um, Bill Organa yeah. is in the film, and obviously they mention Leia, and then Leia's yeah. in a, like everyone who, all the main people Darth who Vader, you Grand see, all the main people who you see survive, the people who you know survive. Yeah. Whereas if like this sort of main ragtag crew of the film survived then where were they anywhere else in the I also really like the shot at the end where um, Cassian and what was the female character Uh, called and Jin are kind of embracing on the beach as as, as the blast comes towards them that was a really nice shot the whole sort of final act of the film Mm. from them Taking down the shields yeah. to the Death Star, sort of appearing and destroying yeah. the planet to Darth Vader to all of that. That whole final act of the film in is some of my favorite Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, also before that is not some of my favorite Star Wars. See, seeing um, seeing the Death Star in action. Yeah, it just makes it really cool, cool doesn't it? Yeah. Because obviously in in episode. Father saying, you know, it's the ultimate power in the universe, and yes, but you see, you do see it destroy a planet, mm. but you only see it sort of the once. I think don't this you? is because the only time you have actually physically see it move as well. Yeah, whereas whereas you it, see it, in the past you see it, it appears in different places. Whereas whereas in Rogue One, you see why people would be scared of it because because the, the, there's a moment where they they're like something's coming out of hyperspace and then the Death Star appears and it's like oh shit shit just got real you yeah know? so something's emerging from hyperspace yeah and, and it just appears the Death Star's like over there and yeah they're all like, and they're all kind of like well I kind of fucked up yeah. <laughs> I mean, well we're up shit creek without paddle so I mean yeah so like the, so you actually see why people in the Empire would be scared of the Death Star mm-hmm. 
because they say it a lot in the original trilogy and obviously it does destroy Alderaan it does go down very easily but you don't see it do anything else because they destroy it in that film they don't get a chance to fully rebuild it do they for the next one although it is fully operational yeah but you well of course before your friends arrive but but you don't see it do anything else I I think a lot of that would have been to do with technical limitations of the time well that's true obviously yeah that's true but I mean like you know you don't see it whereas in Rogue One you see why it would be considered like the ultimate power in the universe and yeah. all of that that they say about it because it's scary. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's very, know. it's very frightening yet also very cool to see it. it is very full cool. power. Actually. So, so cool. what about it? Don't you like then? What about Rogue One? Um, Do you not like? It's very. As I said, I love the third, like the sort of final act of the mm-hmm. film. I think there's some really beautiful shots of them on the beach and stuff and. I do enjoy mostly when they're actually on the Scarif mm-hmm. and they're just fighting the stormtroopers and sort of it's a bit like Vietnam or something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like they're running through the jungle and stuff, and it's all you know, it's all very good. But there's a lot of stuff in the film that's just very chopped up. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's very uh, suicide squatted mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Which is real shame because you see, you see like original scenes that were shot and bits of trailers and stuff uh-huh. that just never happen in the film or have been significantly changed in the film, and it just a lot of the film to me feels chopped up and sort of a bit jumpy. And there are some brilliant moments that I love. I mean, you know, I enjoy, I love Cassian and K two. K two, I think K two yeah. is brilliant. Um. And I think Jin's character mm-hmm. is very interesting, but kind of chopped up. Yeah, um, she, I think it does Jin a disservice to follow Ray. It just the 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 year after we're introduced to this strong female, they they they're not very similar, but the similarities yeah, between them do them no favors. It, yeah, because it's just she's got no. It's just very chopped up and edited. Like it could have been longer. It could have been edited different. It could have been less chopped up. I don't know. I mean, and you know, originally the film was a lot more uh, gritty, mm-hmm. which I love because it's it makes it stand out from other Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. It's it's a war film. It's the re- it's the rebellion trying to destroy the Empire's planet destroying weapon mm-hmm. like it's a war film it needs to have that aspect to it which it does in some ways but it was very censored mm-hmm. in the edits which I don't like um, but again it's only it, only in the way that it's very chopped up really annoys me mm-hmm. and there's some bits where I just really see how it's like being edited and it's a bit. I mean, there is in fact. There's a scene with um, Saul Guerrero, mm-hmm. and literally from one camera shot to the next, his suit's different. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know whether that's just autistically picking out things on the screen, mm-hmm. but is but it, does it, he has like breathing apparatus mm-hmm. on his suit because he keeps lifting up his mm-hmm. mask, doesn't he? And there's one scene where it's just not plugged in. 
Mm. Like the, he's got the tubes that goes into his yeah. chest and it goes around to the breathing pack at the back and then there's just like camera cut and is there and then camera cuts to Jin or mm. in fact I don't think it's Jin it's the pilot guy who is like mm-hmm. torturing with the weird octopus thing and then the camera comes back and his suit's different and the tube's not plugged in and it doesn't have the same thing and I'm just like so they've obviously gone back and refilmed that scene which is fine but this is Star Wars uh-huh. like it's just such a big franchise you can't just stuff like that just really, just really annoys me I think, um, uh, you mentioned Saw, Saw Guerrero and that's one of the the biggest missed opportunities in the film is the misuse of some characters like I would have liked to have seen a bit more of him um, I think Mads Mikkelsen was Criminal Man's misused. Was brilliant, yeah. It was misused. Well, it, see, right? the, the, see the, the other issue is I love that the Star, Star Wars has like an expanded there's books and cartoons mm-hmm. and stuff around it, which are brilliant, by the way. The Rogue One, uh, it's called Catalyst, mm-hmm. which is like the sort of prequel story to Rogue One. It's mm-hmm. really good. It's well worth reading or listening to audiobook or whatever. But I find all that stuff brilliant and Saul Guerrero is in Rebels mm-hmm. and he's an old Clone Wars character so I knew who he was mm-hmm. and the problem one of the problems with Rogue One again I think kind of script kind of like editing is he's introduced as this big troublemaker for the rebellion mm-hmm. and Mon Mothma sort of says you know uh, Saul Guerrero's band of rebels causes trouble and they have all these significant looks and everything mm-hmm. but you never find out anything more than that yeah. and then it, you kind of get a little bit of oh well you left me when I was 16 and you left me on my own and that's because I was trying to protect you and all but you don't get any sense of who Saul Guerrero is why yeah. he's caused the rebellion trouble now you do if you watch rebels mm-hmm. or if you read Catalyst mm-hmm. or if you knew, know the character from previous mm-hmm. then you'd know that Saul Guerrero, why Saul Guerrero was thought of as this like extremist rebellion person mm-hmm. but it's kind of it's made a big thing out of in the film but anybody who doesn't know any of those things mm-hmm. is going to be like you know what's the point and then he gets yeah. dramatically killed in the explosion doesn't he and he stands yeah. in the frame and the and the ground envelopes him and it's all dramatic and stuff but would people care if they don't know like who he is no he's very much introduced and then killed off in like a few scenes down the line without much establishing and you know if you know the character then fine but they kind of they were introduced him as this big issue for the rebellion and Mm. this extremist rebellion you know this extremist rebel and then didn't show anything of it or the, talk about it. This is some, something else that's happened in left Star. Her on her own. This is something else that's happened in Star Wars before. Is they'll get like a, a really talented actor who could really bring something to the franchise, and then either hardly use him or don't use him to bring out the best of them. One that springs to mind is Mace Windu. He could have been so much more. In the they brought Samuel Jackson, and he was basically he was a background character in episodes one and two. And then only really came to the fray in episode three. There was so yeah, much more, more fun in episode three. Could have been done with him, and there was so much more could have been done with Mads Mikkelsen, who was a great actor, and so is for Forrest Whitaker for that. Tell you what, though. In fact, I love Krennic. 
Awesome Derek, credit. Yeah, he's great. I ben Mendelsohn. Partly yeah. really like him because of reading the Catalyst book as well and mm. you get more into his character. But just in the film, I just... Like, I associate with Krennic so much. Mm-hmm. Like, when when uh, when they're on the planet mm-hmm. and uh, when they're on Scarif and he's saying, oh, we need to go back for all the archives and look for the thing, and the guy's like, all of them, and he's like, well, yeah, obviously. And, oh, well, the greatest one is, uh, are you blind? Deploy the garrison. Mm-hmm. Which is not only a great meme, but, like, all the, imp- all the other Imperials are kind of like not as intelligent as him yeah. and they're kind of beneath him and he's just so exasperated with like because we always see in films Imperials making stupid choices mm-hmm. and they can't hit him and they're always like there's always something about them that's like a bit of a jerk and Krennic's like so exasperated by the other Imperials the, 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 it's just <laughs> the, the great thing about Krennic is he's the the Imperial character with the most humanity. Yeah, like, like, everyone else. Him, everyone yeah. else is pretty much just a Saturday morning cartoon villain, and he's got like foibles and bits of humanity. Yeah, uh, Krennic is a brilliant character, and all the more so for his sort of backstory that you get from other books and stuff. But yeah. he's but he's a really good character. I just I I love Krennic. So I also really liked. I know a lot of people had issue with the CGI, yeah, Tarkin and Leia. I think Leia, I had a bit more of an issue with yeah. visual wise, but I thought Tarkin, considering what they'd done, like mm-hmm. considering how they created Tarkin, mm-hmm. I thought Tarkin was great. I th- I think the guy who was actually playing Tarkin could have quite easily passed for Peter Cushing without the CG, because I I think well, it's a guy called Guy Henry yeah, who, yeah. who was a is um. Best, probably best. He was in Harry Potter. He was one of the Death Eaters in Harry Potter. He was also he's also well known for being in Holby City on um, on British television. And um, he looks enough like Peter Cushing and sounds enough like him that yeah. they didn't really need. The but, CG. Uh, well, they, they were trying to make it as realistic as possible, like as close as possible to because obviously Rogue One happened immediately before Episode Four, mm-hmm. so they need the characters to look. As they did immediately in episode four, but um, again, it comes back to the uncanny valley effect, and the, the uncanny valley effect is um, we sympathise more with characters that look more human, but the closer they get to human, the, at the closest point that they can become human is when we don't sympathise with, with them when they look when a say a cartoon character looks too human it just looks odd and it takes us out of the narrative and that that was the same thing I found with Mo, with the Grand Moff Tarkin to me it didn't take anything out of it for me um, he looked a little bit odd mm-hmm. like there were some bits where if you actually watched him and you see like his face movements mm-hmm. looked kind of a little bit unrealistic mm-hmm. but only at first like I got used to it yeah so it wasn't too much of a you know too much of an issue the, I think the Carrie Fisher one was a uh, bad timing as, as well because I don't know g- I don't given the film was... came out a week after she died she, as well. she liked it though she said she, she'd seen it and she, she was fine with it mm-hmm. For me, that it looked less realistic than Tarkin did, mm-hmm. but it was only there for a short amount of time. Yeah, and I liked what they did with the character. Mm-hmm. It just looked a little bit 
out of place players. But again, you know, they're limited by sort of technology that they're using, aren't they? I suppose. Yeah, but all the technology was all the technology cutting edge of the time. Yeah, well, yeah, but they're limited by. I mean, that's always been the case for Star Wars. Yeah. Well, and as I say, the closest to human a, a non-human character looks, the stranger it looks. So you, like, if you've ever had the unfortunate um, thing of stumbling across a, a realistically rendered Mario or a realistically rendered Simpsons, it looks horrific, and that's because of the uncanny about valley effects yeah. that had an effect here. Yeah, although for later, I don't know if it's if she, I don't, I, I'm undecided as whether. She looked more realistic, and that's what made it weird. Or whether she just didn't look—I don't know. She seems a quite odd to me, the later character. Mm-hmm. But it was alright. Yeah. So um, from Rogue One, we shall move on to Solo, because um, that comes chronologically next, doesn't it? Or is that after A New Hope? The chronology gets very, very confusing at this point. Because I, I would say it was before A New Hope. It is before. A it new must hope, be before A New Hope. I'm trying to because it was Solo, ten years. So Solo might actually be before Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah. So let's just pretend we've done that in the correct yeah chronological order. Yeah, no, it will be cause... yeah. So what did you think about Solo then? Um, I thought it was a really good film. I wish they'd have had Ron Howard from the beginning, uh-huh. because Ron Howard's version of Solo was what I would have wanted Solo to be. It did. It did kind of suffer from the um, two different visions. Thing. It suffered from Justice League. Yeah, that's the Justice League itis. Yeah, that's what I was about to, yeah, to refer to. A little to bit, as. not in the same, not on the same scale, but uh, definitely noticeable in some places. Mm-hmm. So I do wish that they'd had Ron Howard from the beginning. Or, I mean, it would be unrealistic to expect that to get him to basically redo <laughs> the entire yeah. thing, wouldn't it? At that point, because how how much um, had um, Lord and Miller already done of Solo? Enough that characters had moved on like some characters had sort of moved on to you know different film roles and stuff mm. and they they wouldn't yeah, have been able to um, uh, who, who was it that had to drop out it was um, oh well they had to recast one of the characters didn't they yeah. it was Paul Bettany's character yeah yeah they, they had to completely reshoot all of that because the person they originally cast had couldn't already, remake it no, for reshoots. He'd already moved on to something else that he was working on and couldn't come back for the reshoots. So obviously, you know, it suffers from some issues like that. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, I'm going to say his name, <laughs> probably not say it right, Alden Eldenreich? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to Elden say it. I think it's Aiden Eldenreich. Alden. No, it's Alden, isn't it? Alden Edenreich, yeah. Alden, and, um, the guy who played Han Solo. <laughs> the guy's name is similar to what I just said. Yeah. Um, I think he did a really good job of capturing sort of Han Solo's mannerisms. Mm. I know the criticism is he doesn't look exactly like Harrison Ford, mm. which is true. 
how else would they do that? I mean, are they going to CGI a young Harrison Ford for the entire film, and then people would complain that it was all CGI and it'd I mean, have it the talking effect? To me, it looks close enough when he's got the outfit and he's got the hair and he does sort of mannerisms like Han Solo mannerisms with like his guns and stuff and the way he speaks it's close enough for me to um, be young Han Solo I think the best thing about the film is Donald Glover as Lando Lando he was brilliant uh, I loved I'd, I loved his uh, his Cape wardrobe. He has like yeah. a whole room in the Falcon oh, just for his capes. capes. That's so that's so under <laughs> But it's um, <laughs> it's to the point where some of it was almost like an impression. But he wasn't taking it and doing something that Billy D. Williams had done. No, he, he took just... what Billy D. Williams did and improved on it. And yeah, ran well, with it. I mean, in some ways, you don't see much of Lando Calrissian. No. I would like to see more of Donald in, Glover's Lando. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, in the originals, you don't see much, that much of Lando's no. sort of personality and stuff, apart from him betraying Han Solo to Darth Vader. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, Donald Glover's version of the character was Lando Calrissian. Mm. Like, it's exactly how you'd expect him to be in terms of, like, he's gambling, he's womanising and manising yeah. and robot anising. <laughs> like yeah, fraternising. Um it's sort of perfect I think he was the perfect person to play that character yeah. and I think there he did were, really good. There were a certain moments in the film where it's almost like you were watching if Billy Dee Williams was like twenty years younger. Yeah, like you kind of there's some bits of the film you don't think Oh, that's somebody pretending to be Lando Calrissian and Han Solo. It's just you're just watching them sort of act. Yeah, and it's uh, it's good. I do think it was a it did represent a bit of a misstep for the Star Wars franchise since it returned for me, though. Given that it was released so close to Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean Kathleen Kennedy's already said they did well Bob Iger more than anyone has said they did make a mistake with that. Disney was pushing for the release. Disney changed the release date. It should have and been less Disney, digested a little bit longer. And Disney have realised, Bob Iger said, that they made a mistake releasing it when they did. Yeah. I mean, with, the world was still really picking through Last Jedi when oh, Solo was coming out. People hated Last Jedi, didn't they? And yeah. The backlash from that caused all sorts of issues. Which had a knock on effect to Solo. Yeah, and, and they should have just left it at the December release date. Yeah. Really. Um, but. Uh, I think, as you say, it was a rush for Disney to capitalise on, on the Star Wars brand as much as possible. And Disney have now realised that's yeah. not such a good idea. But I think they've they've gone completely opposite direction and to the point where they're now slowing down the production on Star Wars films. So Well, they're not slowing down production, they're just saying we've reached the end of like the big trilogy yeah so we just leave a bit of but a gap they're, for they're also think about that because they've also got so many Star Wars projects sort of on the go yeah but they're, they're not pushing forward at the same rate with the anthology stuff as there was no. pre-Solo because pre-Solo there was all kinds of talk of a, a Yoda film an Obi-Wan film a Boba Fett film and all a that Boba Fett film did exist and all, all of that seems to be on ice now after Solo's no, kind of well, disappointing no, well, well the thing is the Boba Fett one is the only one that did actually exist there was a Boba Fett teaser trailer mm-hmm. for Star Wars Celebration and they dropped it mm-hmm. 
Yoda film didn't exist. Obi Wan film has never existed. But it might have existed in in the minds of a kind of a future plan. It existed in the minds of people who wanted to see it. It didn't actually exist. Right. Never existed. Um, it would be cool, mm-hmm. and it probably will happen at some I, point. I'm, I'm not sure about a Yoda film. I I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Yoda again, but it's the same thing. If I don't want everything explained to me, Yoda's cool because he's mysterious and because we don't. It's know a bit much odd about with Yoda, him. isn't it? I mean, it, it's kind of you don't really know anything about Yoda. Like you don't know. You don't know what species what is. Species he is. Is there any other Yodas? Well, we know that weirdly that there is another Yoda in Episode One. Yaddle mm. is on the Jedi Council and it's basically the Yoda puppet with inverted clothes colours and oh, hair. I don't remember that. Well, exactly. It's a bit of a weird thing. And then it's never seen again. And then Yoda's the only one of his species, so was Yaddle related to him? But anyway, it was like supposed to be cousin or something mm-hmm. I don't know it's a bit, a bit of a weird thing which never amounted to anything no. um, but yeah no you don't really know anything about Yoda but as I say the and I the, don't know whether I want to but like, yeah you know, but, but as I say production has kind of been slowed down because there was something to the effect said by an executive that they were they were putting Star Wars films on hiatus for a few years after Rise of the Skywalker's yeah, release yeah not yeah, not not in the way that we're just not going to do anything, but it's just because it's the end of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just... It needs to mean something. So you don't want to do, just go, oh, it's the end of the Skywalker, Skywalker saga and it's all big and epic. But then here's a new film mm-hmm. coming out like next year. Because then it wouldn't mean anything, would it? That it's mm. the end of the trilogy. But at the same time, the Mandalorian is coming out, obviously, which looks brilliant. Yeah. By the way, did you see um, any stuff from Celebration? No, I haven't. But Mandalorian is being released before Rise of the Skywalker. Yeah. So that looks really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great idea, isn't it? Anyway, it's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of saying it's the end of the trilogy. There, there are numerous other films in development and I think they're trying to make sure they space everything out so that it doesn't get oversaturated like Last Jedi and Solo because obviously that turned into a problem because then people didn't like The Last Jedi and then they didn't go and see Solo because they didn't like Yeah. and it obviously that became a problem so there's, there's like at least two Trilogies of films in the world. Well, yeah, because there's one by R- the Game Ryan of Johnson. Thrones people, and, and Ryan Johnson people. is doing his own trilogy as well. And obviously, I mean, would those trilogies come out at the same time? Because it would be confusing if you had like three sets of separate films, mm-hmm. or do you have one before the other, and which one comes first, and how long in between them? So it's like you know, there's a lot of. I would say the the best. The best kind of period to let them gestate is a year between them, because that. Yeah, and I mean, but maybe how long do you leave? Months. Then how long do you leave in between the rise of Skywalker and the first of the new trilogy? I would say and two years. How long do you yeah. leave between that trilogy and the next trilogy? And well, then what when it comes, comes out in when between? When it comes to the two trilogies, develop them alongside each other and release them. Well, they are alternately. Well, see, that would be. I think that would be confusing for casual cinema goers, though, wouldn't it? Because they are separate stories. They are separate stories, but it, they would suffer if they were only six months apart. Yeah, and and they would also suffer by leaving them long enough for one trilogy to end so another one can, can begin. Because because well, by that know. time the executives might have soured on the idea and it might have just 
Well, no, because they they are being developed at the same. Brian Johnson's, I read like yesterday or something that he's talking to um, the Game of Thrones guys about yeah their, yeah about how they about were related their, like, to each story other. and stuff. Yeah. Which is great, but if they release them both at the same time, like alternate years, for the casual cinema goer, are they going to realise that that film is not the same trilogy as that film? Because it's just Star Wars, isn't it? It it might be be the case that one trilogy is released to Disney Plus and one is released in cinemas. Well, I think, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Disney Plus thing, obviously, is going to build up because they do more. Yeah, because um, there'll be a, a lot of Star Wars related things on the Disney Plus. Mm, there's no. a, a lot of projects to kind of, if not already announced, then probably on the back burner for that. Oh yeah, there's some yeah. some that haven't been announced that I've seen very strong evidence that exists Cause the, that the, I think people will enjoy. There is no reason that they couldn't release the films on there in the same way Netflix released their own films. Yeah, I mean, there's Netflix films, isn't there? The uh, Cloverfield film mm. stuff like that and goes straight to Netflix so. and arguably Disney has the most enviable back catalogue of anyone in Hollywood yeah so. I mean it's not like people who, it's not like people say oh it's a straight to Disney plus film so it's not very no. good it's Disney <laughs> I mean that that will depend on the strength of the first few straight to Disney plus true, films to true, be honest true. but yeah no, I've seen uh, I've seen very strong evidence of some TV series for the Disney plus I'm I'm very much looking that. forward to seeing what these trilogies are about, what the yeah. section of the universe. Because the thing with Star Wars is it's such a vast universe of so many stories left untold that it, they could literally go on forever. Because there's so many aspects of this universe that have been left. Un- Which I mean, there's an old Republic film supposedly in the in the the workings. Or a trilogy. Or a trilogy. Uh, yeah. sp- the problem that again is another problem with that is. People always try to relate characters to each other. Yeah. Like, I literally read. In fact, well, when we were watching the live stream, mm-hmm. uh, the celebration live stream uh, last week, was it last week or the week yeah, before? Yeah, the week before. Uh, the week before last week, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, people were saying, oh, is. Um, is Ray Skywalker? No, people were saying the actress, I can't remember her name, but she's playing Jaina. Oh uh, yeah, Naomi. Is she like Lando in Naomi Aki? Yeah, yeah. Saying, oh, it must be Lando's daughter because I'm she's like, black. Yeah. I'm like, well, no. Yeah. It's, it's a galaxy of like millions of planets. Billions, Not everybody's yeah, related. Of people. people were saying it about Finn as well. Yeah. When we first saw the Force Awakens trailers, oh, it must be related to Lando. Like, if anything, that's a bit racist, isn't it? Yeah. I mean. And it's, it doesn't have to. The characters don't all have to be related to each other. I mean, millions of planets. If, if if anything, I quite like the fact that Ray's like her parents were nobodies. I like the fact that they're just not all related yeah. immediately to everybody from the old. Because even though this is the, this is the Skywalker saga, not there every main character has to be a Skywalker. It's the Skywalker saga. There are Skywalkers in the saga. Yeah, because it doesn't mean everybody Ren. in the saga. Yeah. Well, Leia's still alive, isn't she? Yeah, Carla well, Ren's not, still probably alive. not for much longer. Luke is was still alive. Like there, there are people in the series who are definitely Skywalkers. Everybody else doesn't have to be Skywalkers just oh. because. 
just, it's stuff like that annoys me. Well, um, I think we should probably draw a line under this particular recording because we're um, it's going to be a bit of a long one. So We've this only is, talks about half of the film. Yeah, so we're, we're going to split this into two halves, and this is going to be the first half released on May the fourth, and the next one on May the fifth, Revenge or of the fifth, May the sixth, or May the sixth. Because then you could start the uh, Revenge of the sixth, Revenge thing. of the sixth. Yeah, and then <laughs> so um, Jed. Join us in either one day or a few days where we talk about the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Maybe even the Clone Wars film if we're feeling up to it. But, but as we've previously discovered, neither of us particularly We've kind of chronologically that. gone past that. Yeah. So um, th- thanks for listening to this, and we shall be back with you in a day or two. Bye bye.